Welcome, this is Jeremy Shackford, and this is the WFR Podcast, and today we have with us David Bromley, and he will be sharing us his fifth lesson on renewing your mind. David, tell us about that today. Well, we have uh, been on a on a journey of about five lessons now, this being the fifth lesson. Started off with asking the question, how does God renew our mind? And that's all the different things that God does in us, for us in our life. Shows us his grace in many ways. Uh, first of all, we looked at in the first episode of how we were designed to grow. And there is an expectation for growth. We move to how God made us, body, soul, and spirit, and how those different parts, that triune nature of us, really, if you kind of delved into some theology there, uh, that's really kind of beyond our goal today, is, is, is how we do reflect God in our nature uh, with that. But with, with being body, soul, spirit, and how each one of those interact, but also grow, and, and how we let the spirit do that. That moved us into the Holy Spirit's role in our growth and really how God set us up with the indwelling of the spirit to be able to grow spiritually in him and to have that character renewed. Uh, the enemy, of course, is, uh, he's a prowler. He's a lion. He's a devourer. And so he works in lies. And that's where we got into our fourth episode of strongholds and the lies that we believed and how we internalize them and how we combat that with the Spirit's work in us by replacing those lies with the truth of who God is and who we are and how that pans out in our life. Today's episode, uh, well, before I get into today's episode, all of this, we introduced the Renewing Your Mind experience that involved scripture reading, prayer, worship, and doing that in community and how those elements, really ancient elements that the early uh, church fathers and, and even going back to the Old Testament that, that God ordained, that help us submit our wills and our spirits to him so that he can work. And it's, it's, how the, it's really empowering the Holy Spirit to do those things, especially when they're done consistently. That gets us into today's uh, final episode in this series about how God changes our brain. Uh, this information for me as a learner is very fascinating, super fascinating about all the ins and outs and the intricacies of how God designed our brains to change. As a teacher, it's very intimidating, overwhelming, and even a little bit scary. Uh, and let me explain that. Uh, we're skimming the surface of very deep water. My training is in ministry and in counseling it is definitely not in brain structures and neurochemistries and neuroscience so what i'm sharing with you is just as we said skimming the surface of deep water of stuff that i've been taught and learned uh, but it is really amazing a lot of this stuff has come about in the last uh, couple of decades with the new technology of how we can image our brain and how things fire in our brains and jeremy you and i both can remember uh, I grew up, I was a child of the 70s and 80s, and I remember the commercials. Uh, they were anti-drug commercials to try to prevent people from, or not prevent, yeah, prevent, but scare people into not doing drugs. And if many people listening will remember, there was the guy that says, hey, it was a skillet uh, uh, full of hot grease, and he's holding an egg, and he says, hey, this is your brain. 
and he cracks the egg into the skillet and it sizzles. This is your brain on drugs. And the whole point was, and the message we heard even in school was, if you fry your brain on drugs, it'll never, it'll never come back. You'll do things that will never, uh, it, the brain cannot regenerate itself. Every other cell can regenerate itself. And I remember hearing that in a biology class. Every other cell in your body can regenerate itself, but the brain cells. Well, we know that not to be true. <laughs> that is not true. Now, that being said, there can be things that happen that cause irreparable damage. Uh, but we can recover in some ways uh, with that. So I guess at some level, I don't really know if the commercials were effective because we still have a major drug problem in our culture, but it does go to show that it, that, that it does affect and make things harder if you do, but, you know, we're not going to talk about the anti-drug uh, uh, campaign these days, though we are for it. But to understand how God really does work in our brains and can rewire us. Thank goodness, uh, literally thank God that he rewires our brains because if he did not rewire our be our behavioral actions, and our, we'd be stuck uh, with that. Our goal really is to maybe delve a little bit into what David said in Psalm 139, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the research over the last number of years has done that. So here we go uh, into this. One, understanding how God made our brains. Our brain is wired and communicates with itself uh, it, through all types of electrical and chemical impulses. There are billions of neurons. Neurons are nerve cells uh, of the central nervous system. And our brains talk to each other through these neurons. Now, this is, if you could kind of visualize this, there's, there's some things, uh, in there called dendrites. Now, dendrites receive information from a neuron. It's the part of a neuron that receives information. Now, if you could visualize this, and if you're listening at home, uh, or if you're driving down the road, be careful how you do this if you're driving, but if you could put your, uh, hold your hand face up, palms up, spreading your, your, your fingers out, and just kind of do a scratching motion. Just just flex your fingers, and it's like a four four fingers saying "come here," uh, or a scratching motion. That's what dendrites do. That's at the end of an axon, and the dendrites are at the end of that, receiving information from another another uh, the end of a, of an axon that takes information from the neuron. So if you take your hand and turn it over and do the same motion, and it's like going, sending information away, <clears throat> information away, that's what the axon does. So if you put your hands together, one palm up, one palm down, and you try to do that, that action uh, together, flexing your fingers, that's how things are communicated. Now, if you just do uh, your pinky finger and your pointer finger, that's just one area. Now look at the number of axons, if you just, or number of interactions, excuse me, uh, that happen and that's just one. And you have billions and billions of these. The interactions are inf are infinite. And this process of, uh, is called neuronal, uh, genesis, neuro neurogenesis, where your neurons are constantly regenerating themselves all throughout your lifetime as you're, uh, as you're, as you watch babies and, and they grow so fast and so quick. That activity is very, very strong, uh, in, in those early ages. As you get older, 
excuse me, uh, as you get older, <clears throat> that process slows down. But throughout your whole life, you're regenerating and creating new processes. Sometimes we see this with behavior. Uh, there's habits that you want to get rid of. And so you, 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 you replace it with new habits. And eventually the old habit goes away and the new habit is there. And that's because it's not firing on those lines anymore, but firing new lines. Very simple. It's just like a big computer and network going on uh, with that. There's a few brain structures. Now, before I get into the brain structures, that's as simple of a fourth grade il uh, illustration and explanation as you're going to get from me. And it might not get any deeper that past fourth grade. Uh, but there's a lot of information out there on some of the episode notes. We'll put in some references uh, with some websites that really do explain this further. Uh, and also some books that are out there. Now, a couple of brain structures that are all part of this, at least those we're going to concern ourselves with. Uh, we're going to kind of look at about five different brain structures, and then we'll switch to how all this makes sense. Now, please note, this is not black and white. There is a lot of gray area here uh, because the brain is such a complex organ. Uh, there are two sides, there are different hemispheres, and there's one of this on this side and one of this on the other side, and they all interact, and, and while there might be emotions happen here and memory here, there's also emotions that happen here and memories that happen in another spot. All of it goes together to really show that, you know, and God just said, hey, I'm going to make man from dirt. Wow, what we are fearfully, wonderfully made. First one of the brain structures we're going to look at is the thalamus or discuss. And again, you can you can Google this, and we'll put some uh, information on on the episode notes about this. But the thalamus receives information. It sits in the on top of the brain stem in the back of the brain and receives information from our senses: what we see, what we smell, what we hear, what we taste, what we touch. We can describe it because we've been there before. Oh, that's rough. That feels like sandpaper that feels like gravel oh it feels wet it feels kind of slimy and we can catalog it because we've experienced it before or if you if you smell something and it takes you back to bacon frying and the smell of coffee in your grandma's kitchen that's that's how your thalamus is receiving information and relaying it to somewhere so your thalamus has this has this phrase come on in just come on in i'll just take the information and i'll put it somewhere Another thing we want to look at is called the hippocampus, and it's one of the centers of memory, not necessarily, though, concerned with time. We'll talk about that in just, a, just in, uh, briefly for a second. This says, I've seen this somewhere before. So like I just said, if you smell bacon and coffee, you may be in a waffle house somewhere, but your mind, your, hippocamp your hippocampus may take you back to being eight years old at your grandma's kitchen because that was what you smelt. Or if you smell turkey and dressing at Thanksgiving or Christmas, it may take you back to your childhood because you've seen it somewhere before. When I said the hippocampus is not necessarily concerned with time, it's because it it's, it's like it's happening right then and right there. Um, that's why sometimes people who struggle with some trauma and have PTSD reactions they have these memories that are so vivid right there, even though they may be many years or decades old, and they struggle because the senses have triggered, the thalamus has taken information, telling the hippocampus, I've seen this somewhere before, and it's happening right now, and therefore you have reactions to for 
for protection. Your brain just does, just processes the information. The amygdala is the center of emotion. And it is a very reactive thing. And it is a very, it's a small little piece right in the center of our brain that's attached right beside the hippocampus. And it is, it basically, it's language where you have the, th- the thalamus that says, come on in. The hippocampus says, hmm, I've seen this somewhere before. The amygdala says, ah! And it's just very reactive with your emotions. And that is why, if since it's located right beside the hippocampus, that your memories and your emotions are so tied together. That's why you can be sitting in church and you can hear a song and it stirs an emotion in you. We sing the old rugged cross from time to time. Uh, old song, we, you don't hear as much anymore. But boy, when I hear it, it takes me back to being six years old at my grandmother's old wooden frame church. And they sang it all the time. And it, it's, it, it stirs an emotion in me. And those, sometimes those things come out of nowhere. Some people say the, the amygdala can trigger so fast that it can happen in about one sixteenth of a second. So if you can remember playing touch football out on the school grounds whenever you were in elementary school and you had to give, before you could rush the quarterback, you had to give them like five Mississippis, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. You had to give them five seconds before you could rush the quarterback. That's, so one Mississippi is one second. So here's one sixteenth of a second. What? That's, that's how, that's how quick it is. And your brain can begin those, those processes that quick. The other one is the prefrontal cortex. This is the seat of reason, rational thinking, and impulse control. Its language says, let's stop and think about this. And that's located right in the front, the forefront of our brain, right in our, right behind our foreheads. And it is, so things need to wire through there. Now, why do children, why do teenagers have trouble with impulse control? Because the prefrontal cortex is one of the final things to develop. It is really not fully developed until the mid-20s. And if there's been damage or not necessarily physical damage, but has been emotional damage or trauma, then it does still slow those things from, those connections from happening. So for me to stop and think about my behavior, I've got to have some type of connection to the prefrontal cortex. Now, speaking of connection, there is the anterior cingular cortex. This connects the amygdala, the hippocampus, to the, the amygdala and the hippocampus to the prefrontal cortex. And basically its language is, come on, let's get together here. So as one grows and matures, the anterior cingular cortex begins to make those connections. So just in review, the thalamus says, come on in. I'm just taking in information and I'm going to put it somewhere. The hippocampus says, hmm, I've seen this somewhere before. The amygdala says, oh, the memory has created some emotion in me. The prefrontal cortex says, Okay, let's stop and think about what this is right now. And then the interior cingulate is the one that ties. Let's, let's get together and put this, let's, let's make sense of all this and puts it together. So God designed all those structures to, to help us and to create in us a behavioral reaction that all this can be shaped to be looking like Him. So what does this mean? How does, what does all this mean for us practically? One, our current 
mind and behavioral responses are based on several things. In other words, I respond to things based on uh, the way I think and the way I respond behavioral to things based on a lot of different things. One, I receive information and I bring it in and it's cataloged. It's filtered through my experiences that are based on my narratives. When we talked about that previously, beliefs about myself, my worldview, uh, uh, is there what what I how I view people, how I view myself, how I view God. All those things work together, and that's that's that rest there in those parts of my brain. Uh, we all experience emotions with this, and sometimes it becomes a uh, we become emotionally hijacked. So, the thalamus receives the information, the hippocampus ties it to a memory, the amygdala generates uh, an emotion, and our bodies react, oftentimes bypassing the prefrontal cortex. That is our reactive things. There are a lot of examples of this. Uh, one of the things that the Lord has worked on me in the 30 years I have been a Christian, 32 years now I've been a Christian, is anger. I was a very angry, uh, impulsive um, young man and a kid uh, for whatever reason uh, and whatever experiences. I just reacted very quickly to things. And even now today, if things happen a certain way, I'll have an extreme reaction not not as extreme as I used to, but that it still comes up in me. And thank goodness the Holy Spirit is is working in that prefrontal cortex to 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 stop and think about things. But I have to realize that it's not tied to what that event is, but it's tied to memories. It's tied to emotions, and those things need to be sanctified in my life. This renewing our mind with truth slows this process down and literally begins to rewire our brains. So our brain, just like our behavior and our thinking, all that work together is being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So how does God do that? So I'll take us back to the renewing your mind exercises of putting God's word in in a systematic way, of praying intentionally, of worshiping, and not just in a corporate way, but privately worshiping God and letting that Sing, letting him sing over us and letting our minds go to that part of us that is connected to God and then doing that in a corporate way. The patterns we want to create then begin to, uh, the, the interior cingulate creates new patterns connecting that prefrontal cortex so we're, we're more spirit-led in our thinking and not reactive. The thalamus then receives the information our prefrontal cortex filters this information and ties it to truth. Uh, the amygdala generates an emotion, but it is then filtered through truth, and our reactions become different. Putting God's word and truth in my mind through prayer and worship all work together to let the Holy Spirit rule my life, break down strongholds which are causing uh, the prefrontal cortex to... Uh, not to fire, preventing the prefrontal cortex from firing, and my emotions taking over. Now, the anterior cingulate connects all this, and the research, brain research, has shown that meditative and contemplative exercises like prayer, worship, reading God's Word, all make that stronger. They make those connections a lot quicker. 
and therefore our reactions are slower and more driven by the Holy Spirit and truth. By doing these simple things that we've been hopefully been doing with this Renewing Your Mind exercises, the Holy Spirit literally changes the circuitry in our, in our brains and thus our behavior is different. We become too often, we mentioned this earlier in earlier episodes, that we struggle with our behavior. God's not done with us. As long as we're tied to this flesh, we're going to struggle. But as he renews us, and we, we sometimes we do that Christian two steps, three steps forward. It's been a great week, a great month, a great year. Then we get two steps back, and we get bogged down with shame, and the, the enemy comes in and starts doing a number between our ears. And when that happens, we get too often the do-betters. Oh, I've got to do better. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And we take it away from the Spirit, and we, we work out of shame to be able to try to do better instead of saying, I'm going to let the Spirit work more. And we may be doing the same stuff, but from the perspective of letting the Spirit rewire and regenerate our our literal thinking in our bodies. It is amazing to watch how this physical transformation looks on the outside. We had a lady in our church a number of years ago who came in through our Celebrate Recovery ministry. And before she left to go back home to uh, after her life had, had been completely redeemed, she stopped by my office one day and showed me pictures from her time maybe three, four years ago where she had been uh, picked up uh, it was some mug shots um, from different times and different places that she'd been arrested. And the, her face was angry and it was uh, just pitted and marred and just totally different. And then different places that she had had and pictures that she'd picked up over the years and her recovery and her redemption. And she looked physically like a totally different person. And I looked at that and I thought, that is amazing. Why is that physical thing, that physical transformation different? It's because her mind is different, because her brain has literally been rewired and her whole physical body is being redeemed. And those desires of the flesh are being sanctified to become more and reflective of who God intended her to be and who he intended for all of us to be. We are not a slave anymore. Scripture is born out to be true that we are no longer, from Romans 8, obliged to live by the flesh because the Spirit changes the flesh. He can rule the flesh. And that, Jeremy, I tell you, just bears out where we started in Psalm 139 that David said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And thank you, God, for your grace to regenerate this, as a buddy of mine said down here in Louisiana, this filthy, rotten hide of ours that we live in. Just a couple of comments. In particular, you used a lot of scientific terms today, and the world wants to tell us that science and our spiritual life are separate. Oh, wow, yeah. But recognizing that God created it all, mm. you're able to use our spiritual life, use the Holy Spirit to explain how the science works in our brains. And I think that's beautiful. That is. And we've had this, uh, you know, I, I think about the Napoleon, no, it wasn't Napoleon Dynamite, it was Nacho Libre, where he was like, I'm worried about your soul. He's like, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. And he baptized him in a bowl of water. You know, that funny scene that was there. Um, 
Now, I would recommend if you're listening, if you watch Nacho Libre, watch it with friends because it's funny with friends. Uh, and you destroy fewer brain cells by watching that movie <laughs> with friends because laughter makes up for it. But that's just a whole other thing that this, but there is this thing that's a funny thought in, from the movie, but it is that, that God and science were opposed to one another, but they're not. In fact, science, more and more as we get into looking at ourselves, we get to looking at how vast our universe is, is actually proving God more and more. And that, and God's the one that invented it. And here's the crazy thing is when God formed us, he formed us just like this. Here it is, however many thousands of years later, in the 21st century, uh, we're just now kind of putting a lot of it together. Uh, and really in the last 30 years, I would guess, we've known a lot of things, but it's coming out in more uh, ministry and lay settings like we're in, and it's driving business, it's driving uh corporations and human interaction and and how we how we deal with people based on this research that God did when he created us it is it is pretty fascinating um how scripture is born out and and God is vindicated um in in all of this that's a great point well we do want to thank you david this completes the section on renewing your mind. This was a five lesson study. So if you picked up today and didn't catch the first four, make sure you go back and look at the first four and take a good listen. Like David said, there's going to be lesson notes. There's going to be uh, information available that you can click on and download. And so be sure to do that if you want something to follow along with and some guide. This is Jeremy Shackford. This is the WFR podcast. Thank you for joining us today.